Welcome to this very special episode of Highway to Well, affectionately called Postcards from Paradise, Songs That Matter, Volume 1, starring Dondi Bueno. Dondi is an artist, a photographer, a set designer, but mostly he's a creative spark plug igniting the fires of inspiration in all of us. He approached me with this idea that we should do a podcast based on my top 20 list, and after talking with him, he quickly figured out that he was now going to be a participant in this in this process. After we went through deciphering what we would qualify as a top 20 song list, we discovered that the bond we shared wasn't so much our songs, but it was the stories and what the songs had meant to us throughout our lives. So we decided we'd take a little different route and talk about songs that matter, songs that have been important to us, songs that have explained the time and place and emotions that we felt and how we've clung to those songs and what they've meant to us throughout the years. This episode will cover Dondi's songs, we'll cover a few of my songs, but we'll talk a lot about the stories that matter. Thank you again for listening. We're getting on the highway to well. Welcome back here to the Highway to Well. We've got Don De Bueno, my brother from the left coast. Don't let his beefcakes fool you. He's got a tender heart and a strong love and devotion to the most finer things in life like power chords, distortion pedals, and double bass drum kits. He also is a man of many stories that sometimes involve running from the cops, crashing house parties, busting up, multiple other parties skateboarding down the streets of LA he might have also um, bench pressed 405 pounds once in his life which is absolutely amazing he's a, a, the best administer of good advice he also has um, some sweet satiny pipes that are built for radio and he might be an acquaintance of Chris Christopherson which I hope he tells us the story at some point in this yeah, podcast we're here with Don De Bueno, and this podcast, this is this is a bit of a, I will call it a little bit of a vanity podcast. So the Highway to Well, by all intent and purposes, is we love to talk about stories that involve our well-being and wellness. And you can't get too far without talking about the things around you and in your environment that help you do that. And music is central to that. And in fact, when I started Actually, Highway to Well used to be a blog. A few years ago, the newspaper asked me to write a wellness blog. So I thought about it and I said, well, I, I, I'll do this, but I have an idea. I don't want to write about nutrition. I don't want to write about increasing physical activity. I don't want to write about the six dimensions, seven dimensions, four dimensions, or however many dimensions of wellness, whatever models are out there. I don't want to do that. But what I do want to write about is the best pathways to making me understand and to see the world in a healthier way. So I want to write about Prince's Purple Rain. I want to write about the presidential election. I want to write about um, the homeless world cup where homeless people get together and compete for this event 
I want to write about things that are tied into and woven into our sociocultural fabric that are not traditionally thought about as wellness adventures, but are absolutely wellness adventures. And I cannot do that without talking about music because music is, it's like, it's the shorthand of emotion. It expresses that which can't be said and that which is impossible to be silent. Music is to the soul what words are to the mind. And one thing that music does is it, it and for me, one of the most critical parts of all of this is it automatically feels like you have people around you, not to say it's actual people, but you feel when you're listening to songs, like you feel that emotive part of the music. So when you hear it, you feel like your solitude peopled at once. You, you can create your own environment through music. And that helps a lot when you're, when you just want some time alone or where you, you want to think about things and pop in some music and, and it fills that void there. Um, so music is that, it's that really unexplainable pathway to well-being that all of us know it exists, but start talking about it becomes all these different things. And then we get into the song part of it. And so Dondi, when you came to me about this podcast, you said, Hey, Derek, you should do a top 20, like a Dick Clark, which dates us. (laughs) So when you didn't say Ryan Seacrest, you said, Hey, let's do like a Dick Clark top 20. I'm like, that sounds great. You're, you're in which I don't think that was your intent when no, you came wasn't. to me. No, it wasn't. But we, we've tested. So what we've tested out is if we had a top 20, what would it be like? And what would our criteria be like? And, and so we thought about and came up with lists of songs that made us happy when we heard them that were, we've, we've agreed oftentimes when we talk about music, we need to be talking about songs that have structured bars, notes, they have a clear beginning, middle, and end. So it that's that eliminates most EDM, Meat Beat, Manifesto, Sugar Cubes, and 87% of all Radiohead songs. It's <laughs> like, it, there's a difference between songs, well, songs with structure and just music that's put onto a, like a cassette. <laughs> and so we, uh, we also talked about, you know, music too that has a meaningful place in our lives and we must have liked it for like the duration of the song. So when we talked about music that matters to us, we we're talking about songs that have had an impact in our lives and they continue to bring us to that special place. So that the songs have the ability to pull you back into an emotional place where you were when maybe you first heard it or when something happened. We talk, we were talking a lot about that. Um, and we also, talked about the place that it is the the signposting ability of songs and more than any other art. Well, I shouldn't say, I mean, I'm biased. So for us, and because we agree on this, this is why we're having this podcast is we agree that music can signpost our lives in ways that no other art form can. And so Dondi, we're here to talk about some music today. Yes. And we, we, we actually, trans- so when we came up with the top 20, we quickly figured out that the top 20 wasn't really what we were talking about. Right. But what we were talking about was the story and the meaning behind music that matters. Exactly. And so, Dondi. Yes. You're here. Yes, I am. We're here to talk. Thank you for having me. 
first of all. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm honored. Well, I'm, uh, I can't wait to dig into your songs long and your time stories here. First time caller, so. <laughs> ding, ding. Yeah. So uh, music. Yeah. Um, my family, well, my father mostly is, uh, was, a, was a musician, so that's what really got me into it. And, uh, you know, music plays, ever since then, my music's always played like a big role in my life. Um, it's like a, what, what do they call it when you like fold the corner of a book page, you know, when you earmark, earmark, earmark? it? Yeah, yep. that's, that's what music is like. It's earmarked like certain t- things in my life. Like I could, um, before I go on to that, uh, yeah, like it's like, uh, it's like my coffee, right? Every morning I'm always like listening to music. You know, it's like gets me through the day, and uh, it's it's. Uh, I just feel good when I listen to music. You know, what I think it like produces dopamine. I think it does. Yeah, that's, this is yeah. an actual chemical reaction. Yes, yeah, it, it causes an actual chemical reaction, and uh, and you know, it's like uh, I could tell you like how this is how important music is to me. I know what was the number one hit when my daughter was born in 2007 i think it was a uh, ir- irreplaceable by beyonce hmm. yeah that was a uh, that was like <laughs> i i and then my my son i believe it was a uh, adele uh, i don't want i uh, maybe it was rolling into deep that, that was in 2011 about right yeah that was in 2011 but uh but my i remember though that, that there was a song called uh pumped up kicks by mm-hmm. foster that was mm-hmm. that was my favorite song when my son was born this was 2011 2011 i remember that and i if i look back at it, my favorite song when my daughter was born i think was a uh, uh cupid's uh by gym class heroes do you remember that remember that song i think it was cupid's chokehold <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not a big gym, yeah, but gym the, class hero yeah. fan. But the cool thing about music for me is like uh, where words fail, like you can always u- use music to like, mm-hmm. you know, to like speak for you. Like, I don't, I, I'm dating myself again. Remember uh, mixtapes? You ever mix, mm-hmm. make mixtapes? Mm-hmm. And like back then it was like the. Every pa- day for. <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't know if you did this, Derek, but. When I had like a crush on a girl, I would make her mixtapes because it was like the most passive aggressive way of telling someone. <laughs> you know, you would like make a tape of all these like songs that you like and you know, you give it to someone and hoping they would like it too. <laughs> that was like so passive aggressive, you know, and sometimes it worked, you know, most times it didn't, but then you have a cool mixtape though. So, but uh, yeah, uh, I love music and it's not everything in my life, but it makes everything in my life better. That that that's the that's the key, and it also gives us the opportunity. And it, it's interesting because how songs come in and out of our lives. So, right. we when we started talking about songs, so we were trying to figure out like what would be our top what would be our top twenty songs. Yeah, and then I started coming up with a list, and anyone who knows me knows that that's an impossible task. Right, it to think about. Time. Okay, there isn't. As soon as I started thinking of one, I thought of 200 songs. Exactly, yeah. But I did narrow my list down to um, a few songs. And so I'm gonna run through the list of songs that have mattered to me in different phases of my please, life. Yeah, please. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> it, they pretty much explain themselves. 
Photograph by Def Leppard, Supernova by Liz Fair, Gypsy by Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks was my very first crush, One More Time by Daft Punk, 1979 Smashing Pumpkins, Wait Up by Uncle Tupelo, Planet Strange by Titanic Love Affair, Down About It by The Lemonheads, She's Happy by The Gear Daddies, Let's see. Drowning Man by Eric Church. Rain King by The Counting Crows. Fight Test by The Flaming Lips. Given to Fly by Pearl Jam. The Act React by Sugar. Left of the Dial by The Replacements. Is There a Ghost by Band of Horses. Jesus, Etc. by Wilco. Always All Right by The Alabama Shakes. I Want to Be Sedated by The Ramones. Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. More Than Words by Extreme. Never Take the Place of Your Man by The Goo Goo Dolls. Panama by Van Halen. In a Big Country by Big Country. I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes by Paul Simon. Seven Nation Army by White Stripes. Start Chopping by Dinosaur Jr. Maps by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Boys Don't Cry by The Cure. Midnight Train to Georgia by Gladys Knight and the Pips. Just Like Honey by the Jesus and Mary Chain. That's the Way by Led Zeppelin. This Woman's Work by Kate Bush. Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Try Sleeping with a Broken Heart by Alicia Keys. Fly From Heaven by Toad the Wet Sprocket. When You Say Nothing at All by Alison Krauss. 17 by Cross Canadian Ragweed. Never Been to Spain by Three Dog Night, Oklahoma by Bob Schneider, Tulsa Time by Don Williams, Tulsa County by Sunvolt, and most other songs that involve Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Tulsa County. You're the Reason God Made Oklahoma, see, David Frizzell and Shelley West, Medicine Hat by Sunvolt, Answering Machine by The Replacements, Golden Days by The Damwells, Miles Davis and Cool by The Gaslight Anthem, I Go Crazy by Flesh for Lulu, Backed Out on the Dot 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 by Kevin Drew, Texaco Bitches by Broken Social Scene, Luca by The Lemonheads, Only the Young, Stone in Love, and Faithfully, All from Journey, Bob O'Reilly from The Who, Scarecrow, that entire album by my hero, John Cougar Mellencamp, Leave On by Elton John, Break Free by Ariana Grande, If Only Was Lonely by The Replacements, did I say Break Free by Ariana Grande? Yes. Caravan by Van Morrison and the band, Break Free by Ariana Grande, Downtown Train by Tom Waits for No One, Vacation by The Go-Go's, The Wheel by Utopia, Pretty in Pink by The Psychedelic Furs, Fans by Kings of Leon, Someday by Steve Earle, Hard Luck Woman by Kiss, Don't Treat Me Bad by Firehouse, The Cowboy Song by Thin Lizzy, Bang Bang by My Boys, Danger Danger, Kiss Me Deadly by Lita Ford, Lady Fingers by Lucius Jackson, What Matters by Matthew Sweet, September Girls by Big Star, Dirt Road Anthem by Jason Aldean, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty, Salisbury Hill from Peter Gabriel, The Sound from the 1975, I Want to Be Your Lover by Prince, Kennel District from Pavement, Tender Love by Force MDs, Yes. <laughs> Lawyers, Guns and Money by Warren Zevon, Cry Tough from Poison, Blue Sky by the Allman Brothers Band, Baby by My Man, The Myth, The Legend, Mr. Justin Bieber, Napoleon from Ani DeFranco, Changed by John Waits, Oh man, wow. Blinded by the Light by Bruce Springsteen. There's a couple more here. California Stars by Wilco. She's Not Me by Jenny Lewis. I Want You Back by Jackson 5. Want You Back by Heim. Something to Tell You. Also by them, Cause Equals Time by Broken Social Scene. Let There Be Rock by The Drive by Truckers. I'm running out of breath here. Debaser by The Pixies. Beth by Kiss. I love it. Loving Her Was Easier Than Anything I'll Ever Do Again by Willie <laughs> Nelson. I Will Follow Where the Streets Have No Name by U2. Bastards of Young and Unsatisfied by The Replacements. Train in Vain by The Clash. And Bad by U2. The Weight by The Band. And I'll save my favorite one for last. Yeah. Later in the podcast. Right on. I love it. That was... You know what I like about your list is... Uh, it's It's very... Eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
It's a little all over the place. Yeah, no, that's that's good, right? That's good. You know, it's, it should be. It should be. You know, don't get stuck to one kind of music. Well, yeah. Is it, and it's there's power in songs. So I was thinking of another song, and I didn't mention it here, but as you and I have been talking about where songs matter or how they matter, you know, this isn't about the so one of the things that we agreed on. These are not when we say these songs matter. By no means are do are we saying that these are the highest quality right. street cred For sure, music yeah. geek fandom songs. These right. are songs that at some point they just land on you. Yep. And it hit you like a ton of bricks right? and then become part of your like heart and soul. Yep. And so there's a song by Toad the Wet Sprocket called Windmills. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I was a huge Toad the Wet Sprocket fan. I still am, but I was a big fan of theirs through college. They're, they were mopey enough for the, <laughs> for those <laughs> years in your life when you're 19, 20. But when I was graduating, my brother brought me a, a CD the morning of my graduation, and it was Toad the Wet Sprockets Dulcinea, which is an entire album built on the um, ethos and mythos of Don Quixote. And so I was already like, as a fan, I was excited. I was, right. this is a cool album. Yeah. And then I started playing it, and I remember getting ready for my graduation ceremony. I was scared as hell. Like, I'm graduating. That you weren't going to graduate? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what happens tomorrow? Yeah. Exactly. And I was, yeah. I was headed to, I was headed to law school, which was already, um, scaring me. And so I just remember hearing windmills and I listened to that song maybe like 10, 15 times over and over again and just sat on my couch in my room I was, it was the only time all day I was by myself too, like right. no family around all my other friends that were graduating. Everyone's getting together, you know, getting ready and getting together with their families. And my family was off having lunch before the ceremony. So I was just getting, it was, it was like this quiet time and it was probably the first time in that in your, you know, as you're leading to this moment, this pivotal moment of your life, that was the first time, like actually the gravity of the moment settled in and and it, and it was, I, the gravity of the moment hit me during that song. I'm not sure if the song caused it or if it just happened at the same time, but now that song is part of my DNA. Right. It's, it is one of my favorite songs because it, it just evokes the memories of, I can picture myself sitting in that room, but also if you listen to the words of the songs, talking about spending too much time raiding windmills and you know the story of Don Quixote, it's do we make, you know, the question is are we making bigger monsters out of things that aren't are they not really monsters are we scared of things that aren't really there and here i am this this kid getting out of my college cocoon getting ready to go to law school and then going back home too like i went to college far away from where i live so i'm now i'm going back home and to an unfamiliar place and so that's that's how song that for me that's that's a song that's how it matters to me right it's not because it's good right, i mean right, it's a good yeah, song yeah. i i like it yeah but it's because it hit me in a pivotal moment yeah, and it fit it fit yeah. right in the you know, yeah. situation you were going through at the moment so yeah that's awesome i like that song that's a good song yeah it's a good one. song yeah so tell me tell me tell me about music to you songs that have mattered to you oh well, when when we first thought of this, you know, um, this whole program here, we were we started at twenty, right? Yeah. And the funny thing is, my top twenty list consists of like almost fifty three songs. 
<laughs> 24 of them by Prince. Yeah. <laughs> or Sublime. Yeah, no. <laughs> Dude, Sublime had some good songs, man. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, but it, it, it was a tough task to like narrow it down and then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad like we kind of changed it a little bit, you know, the songs that matter. And again, you know, there, it's, it, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to tell you an order because there is no order. Uh, but these are the songs. These songs to me is like, again, like it bookmarked certain times in my life. And they might not have been the best songs. In, in fact, a lot of the songs. So here's here's my story. I was born in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um we didn't get too much modern, like up-to-date music mm-hmm. where where I grew up. So, all right, I'll, I'll just tell everyone, I'm, I'm 50 years old, so I was born in 69. And so back then, uh, all we can get was like Beatles. We were getting Beatles, uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and classical stuff. That's all my father listened to at home. So that's what I was exposed to. And um, so I wasn't really into it at first. I mean, I liked the Beatles and all that, but I wasn't like, music didn't matter much to me growing up, you know? And then uh, until uh, until I realized, oh my gosh, my father's a musician. And my father was always this stoic guy that just sat in the background and he was happy with it, you know, until I heard him sing for the first time. Cause he, he barely sang at home, you know, but social events like, or there'll be like events he would be asked to like perform. Cause he played the piano and he would sing as well. And hearing him for the first time was, a was like really a, an eye opener for me. And that's what got me into it. And the one I'm actually going to, you know, start with my, my first song right mm-hmm. now is a, is my way by Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear that song, I always automatically think of my father and that moment. I think I was like, I remember it very clearly. And I was like maybe seven mm-hmm. or eight years old, you know, like everybody was like, we were at this event and, and then somebody, somebody likes, you know, introduced my dad, my father. And then I go, what's going on? And then he gets up there and, you know, sits down you know, in front of the piano and starts playing and starts singing. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my father singing. And he sounded awesome. And ever since then, I was always like, you know, I want I want to do this. You know, I mean, how no matter how mediocre I am, I'm going to do this because this, you know, this is like awesome. Mm-hmm. And this. I remember the way it made me feel when I heard my father sing for the first time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would hear him singing at home every now and then. But for the most part, like I said, he was just quiet and happy to be in the background as long as everything's fine. You know, but then when I first heard him, I was like, wow, I want this in my life. Mm -hmm. I, I like this feeling I'm feeling right now. You know, so. So, yeah, My Way by Frank Sinatra. And uh, that's 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 one song that really matters to me a lot. I mean, as cheesy as it is, you know, because it's so old, you know. But and I, it's been covered so many times. I think who was it? Sex Pistols, I think. <laughs> Did they? I think Sex Pistols covered it. You know, probably to, totally ruined it. But you know, it's fine. It's a know? Sex Pistol thing to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it's yeah. I think that this is this is why I love talking to you about this. Is you know so we're both dads now too. Right. And I remember, so I grew up in a Willie Nelson, Elvis Presley and Barry Switzer in Oklahoma football household. One of those is a, is a 
technically brilliant singer. Elvis's voice was always like angelic. Right. Willie's wasn't so much, no. but there was something really special about when I, I never paid attention to it until I really started paying attention to my dad singing Willie Nelson on Sunday mornings. Right. And it, it was the coolest thing because that was not like him in other ways like you talk about. Like I had a stoic father too. It was more comfortable being in the background and just right. letting things go. You never got a sense of the real emotion until you catch him singing by himself. Loving her is easier than anything I'll ever do again. And I, I can, I remember those Sunday mornings and it's, and it, it, it puts that, it, it has an emotional hook now to that song. And then as I've gotten older, then, and I listen more to the song and, and it's, that's to you, it becomes part of me. And then I love the poetry that like, there's things I discover about the song and, but it's Willie's, you know, and it's Chris Christopherson song, but it was Willie's interpretation that I got the most of, but it means so much to me because it was a song I can remember my dad singing. And I'll probably have that, you know, that's the memory I'm gonna stay with through the rest of my life with him is is remembering him singing Willie Nelson on Sunday mornings to himself. Right, so that's <laughs> awesome, yeah, you know. I, it's really cool. What do you want me, uh, do you want me to go on with yeah. the next one? Yeah, yeah. let's talk more yeah. about your songs. All right, uh, I, li I like you mentioned Chris Christopherson. Can I tell the story real quick? Yes. Chris Christopherson. So uh, when my son was three years old, this is in California, before we moved out here, I was taking my son for a walk to this little old town part of our, well, I lived in the suburb of, this, it's called uh, Glendora. It's about 30 minutes northwest, northeast of uh, downtown LA. It's a little town, so we're walking around this little, little old town part, like about maybe nine in the morning, and we're walking by this one restaurant and this, uh, this guy walks out with white hair, white beard, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I know that guy. Anyway, he just eyeballs me. We make eye contact. And he walks over to me and starts chit-chatting, you know? You know, he asked me, this was around Christmas time, so he asked me if I was ready for the holidays and all that. And I go, yeah, you know, so we made a little chit-chat. And then he looks down at my son, uh, Vigo, who was, I think he was like three or four at that time. And he goes, is this your boy? And I go, yeah. And he goes, he's a good-looking boy. You know? I go, oh, thanks. <laughs> And then it goes, well, anyways, you know, you have yourself a Merry Christmas, you know, happy holidays. He shook my hand and walked away. <laughs> and the whole time he was talking to me, I'm thinking, I go, this guy is Chris Christopherson. <laughs> and I go, and the, when he spoke, I go, oh, my gosh, this is Chris Christopherson. And I was totally in awe. And like I couldn't like, you know, I, my brain wouldn't work properly. So I just kept making the, you know, the normal casual talk, you, you know, when you run into someone. And then he shakes my hand, walks away, and I'm like thinking, I go, I'm pretty sure that was Chris Christopherson, but why would he be here in this little town? You know, so <laughs> so we, we walked home as fast as I could, and we got on, I got online, and I, I typed in Chris Christopherson tour dates, and sure enough, there it was. Tomorrow, I said there, the day, you know, tomorrow, the next day, he was doing this little tiny show at the art center in our little town. Mm -hmm. This and the the venue was probably maybe four hundred people, and there was no publicity for it, no promotion. It was just something he just like you know, oh, you know, 
I'm going to do a little show in this town. And yeah, so Chris Christopherson thought my, you know, my son is a good looking kid. That's a good looking kid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I And, and then after it happened, I was like, oh, man, I, I wish I would have just, you know, had the Ask had him, the what did you have function. for lunch? Yeah, I exactly. mean, what did you have for breakfast? Yeah, or at least hand him my son. I go, can I take a picture of you holding my son yeah. real quick? Yeah. You know, because... Anyway, so yeah, that was that's my Chris Christopherson story. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm still to this day, you know. I go, hey Vigo, at least Chris Christopherson thinks you're a good-looking boy. So, and then he's like, who's Chris Christopherson? Exactly. And then you start playing like really old yeah. country songs. Me and Bobby McGee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. So I'll I'll go on my next song. So I have okay. I have a twofer here. So uh, again, I, so I was in Philippines. Again, we didn't get much music out there, but there was one band that started like kind of leaking in where we lived, and it was Queen. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, yeah, most people knows about Bohemian Rhapsody. I think most people know only of Bohemian Rhapsody, which is kind of sad because if if you had me pick the best Queen song, I would probably. May maybe Bohemian Rhapsody makes the top ten, maybe yeah. you know, maybe top five. Oh, you know, but there's they have, last night my kids were like you know, because because they were talking about Queen and Vigo who's eight now. You're like, yeah, they have a lot of good songs. I go, you think they have a lot of good songs, but the funny thing is you've only heard like one tenth of it. <laughs> you know, so as soon as we got home last night, I like went through Spotify and I started playing. You know earlier stuff so one of my one of the songs that really got me hooked on queen is uh keep yourself alive uh-huh. do you remember that uh-huh. it's the way it starts off it's the riff the, the very beginning it's like it's just so rock and roll and like uh it it like totally wakes you up but that i remember i heard that when i was nine i think i think it came out in like 73 yeah, so I was yeah, so I was I was nine years old, and I mean it was it's already been out for a few years, mm-hmm. but again, in Philippines we get things kind of late. Yeah, you know, so that that's one of the songs, and that's the song that got me into Queen, that got me into Bohemian Rhapsody, and and everything else. But uh, when we get, when we finally did move to America, I was ten years old when we moved here. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go to my next song that mattered. So uh. So here's my thing. When we moved here, we couldn't afford as a family to move all at the same time. Mm-hmm. My mother, my brother, and one of my older sisters came three years before us. So, you know, to kind of like pave the way, make some extra money and send it back to Philippines so we can afford to all move as well. So my, me, my father, and two of my sisters stayed behind. So for three years, I was separated from my mom and my brother and my sister. And um, my mom would fly back home every now and then, but my brother and sister, you know, for three years basically I didn't see them. So when we finally moved in 1980, when we can finally, you know, get reunited again, I remember I would follow my brother around everywhere he went because you know I missed him. You yeah, know? you know, growing up it was always me and him. He was always it was always him getting me in you know these predicaments that we shouldn't have been, but <laughs> now they're just cool stories, right? Uh-huh. So, anyways, I would follow him around and. Uh, I think I was getting on his nerves. Anyways, one day he sat me down and he goes, uh, he goes, hey, you, you got to listen to these guys, this band, you know. And again, be, before that, all I, all I was exposed to was Beatles, Frank Sinatra, 
some classical music and a little bit of Queen. But then so my brother sat me down and he plays his album with these four guys on it. And it was Van Halen. And he busted out Eruption, the guitar solo leading into uh, You Really Got Me Now. And that song just totally blew my mind. And I didn't know what it was. Like, <laughs> it was this insane, just crazy electrifying guitar. And it just blew my mind. And that was how I was introduced to like rock, like real, not, I wouldn't say real rock and roll, but that song, once I heard that, I listened to the whole album. And then from there on, my brother introduced, you know, started playing more older stuff too. I got introduced to Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. And this is 1980, and I was like, you know, 10 years old. Before that, I didn't hear any of these this kind of music. So I would listen to, a, what was it, like a Van Halen, ACDC, you know, Led Zeppelin. You know, there was all these other ones, like even Kansas, right? It's okay, it's a safe, this <laughs> is, is a safe right? place. I know, I feel like, you know, but, uh, oh, Aerosmith. You know, yeah. cheap trick. But the thing is, like, I, these were, it was almost like just poured on me because it was almost overwhelming. But at the same time, it was like this awesome thing that, oh my gosh, you know, like, hearing other bands other than the Beatles, it was just insane. Like, it, it almost blew my mind, mm -hmm. you know, so it was just way too much almost. But it was an awesome time in my life, you know, t between 10, and high school, that's all I listened to was all these classic rock, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, Van Halen wasn't classic at that time. They were fresh, but all those other stuff, it was just all new to me. But you guys, you know, people back, they were from the 70s, you know, <laughs> and this, here I am, and this is 1980, and I'm barely hearing all these bands for the first time. Yeah, but it's at, at that time of your life, though. So if you, have you seen the movie Almost Famous? Yeah. Where his sister, hide like tells him to go underneath the, and right. pulls out the suitcase full of albums yep. and he's a, he's a young teen at this time like there's that period of life where music becomes it becomes this investigative awesome experience of discovery that you just continue to compile and then you pull in these often like strange influences of where you know or or for you it's you're you're now tying all like your Van Halen to your your brother, and at that time right, Van Halen exactly, was exploding yeah. in oh, California. Yeah, yeah. Like I had a neighbor across the street who introduced me to Kiss, and it was when I think back, I feel like I feel like it kind of remind. It looks to me like a scene from Dazed and Confused, the movie. Like here comes the pseudo hippie teenager across the street with Kiss Destroyer and Kiss Rock and Roll Forever hands them to me like it's like passing the torch right, yeah, exactly. like I feel like in my memory that's what it was like he's passing the Kiss torch to me and I'm like oh my god what is this this is not Elvis Presley right this is not <clears throat> old country and western right. what are these guys doing why are they wearing makeup this is awesome <clears throat> and then and I just listened to those over and over again. We had this old record player, this big record player, and I would just have my mom play my Kiss records over and over again. And I would draw all four members of Kiss on all of my work at school. My parents were getting told that, shown like my artwork, I'd, I'd hurry up and get my assignments done so I could have my art time 
to draw the four members of Kiss and 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 it's like at that time it's just like you're exploring this this so this these people are part of your right. life now and right. you know and then that's the reason why I, like the song like Beth ends up on my list of favorite songs and like if you think about at that time too if you don't have if you don't have Kiss if you remove Kiss out of the equation <coughs> do you have how many power ballads are just disappeared? Like yeah. it's like Thanos snapping his fingers and like all power ballads are gone. <laughs> they no longer exist. If you don't have Beth, no way do you have more than words. No, that's right. You don't have Mr. Biggs to be with you. Right. You probably don't have the five man acoustical jam. No. Like you don't you don't you have a different it's like a different trajectory for right. hair metal and and like a lot of different things if you just remove one song out of the KISS catalog right. from all this. Right. And so and even as a kid, I'm not, I wasn't a very like sensitive, emotional, maybe I was when I was in second grade, but I loved that song then. And it was just completely different, a piano led ballad, you know, but it's, it's that sonic experience. And, and I remember hearing, discovering Van Halen with my group of friends. We had an older, older brother babysat a group of us during their summers. So we were riding our bikes through the neighborhood, getting in trouble, trying to scrounge up a few few bucks to go get Jolly Ranchers and play some video games. But he listened to Van Halen. And so we would take his Van, his Van Halen cassettes and go into our buddy's room and get tennis rackets and books and sticks and we'd create our own concerts right. after watching the videos. So by the time videos became big, we had, we had MTV and you'd see all the Van Halen videos and David Lee Roth jumping off of speakers. And so we'd jump off the bed, kick our legs out and play completely manic guitar solos to what Eddie Van Halen was ripping out. And so, I mean, does it influence me? I don't know if Van Halen made me listen to more hair metal than I would have already listened to, but I have such fond memories of what Van Halen means to me that I have been a fan of Van Halen my whole life. And still, when I hear Eruption and You Really Got Me, just blows my mind. And now I'm transferring that. I'll play those songs in my high school team's warm-up. Out of the blue, I'll just pop songs like that in just to see what they do. And I love that they love it. Yeah. It makes me happy. No, yeah, totally, yeah. I'm going to brag real quick. So for this last Halloween, my my son and daughter, my son dressed as Gene Simmons. Yes. Yeah, full makeup, and my daughter was Peter Chris. Yes. Yeah, and it was really cool because like uh, at school, their friends were like, "Who are you supposed to be?" Like none of his, none of their friends. But I, while we were walking through the hallway, I see like teachers high fiving them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, the yes. teachers understood. Yeah. So yeah. It was like, and then one teacher actually went out of her way because like. Are your kids dressed as Kiss? I go, yeah, you know. He goes, is that you? I go, no, that was totally them. They love Kiss, you know. So, you know, I'm doing something right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) The other day I walked by the restroom. My daughter, you know, I was walking down the hallway and my daughter's taking a a shower and she always has like a music playing. And uh, she had, um, I think it was Clash. Clash was playing. And then I, I walked by later on, I, which Anar- I think it was Anarchy in the UK or something was playing and I can hear it, you know, coming out of the bathroom. And then I walk, I walk by later and she has, uh, 
Agent Orange it was this uh, surf punk band out of you know out of California that was playing, and I was like, I was like high fiving myself, you know, because like that's my daughter, <laughs> that's her taste in music, you know. But then later on, you know, I forgot what it was, some Baby Shark, probably, <laughs> yeah, some silly song like that, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, so I I was lucky. I was lucky growing up. I mean, you know transition here uh living in la you know and in the 80s in la i know the 80s get like a bad rap all the time like not from my circle of friends but people always talking about ah, the 80s sucked you know because there was like do you ever hear that i mean like well i like to get into these arguments with people yeah because i like to i like for them to define for me, which 80s are you talking about? Are you talking about like Whitney Houston 80s? Right. Or are you talking about New Order 80s? Yes, are you talking exactly, about Jesus yeah. and Mary Chain? Yes. Are you, so, are you yeah. talking about the devolution of REM? I'll, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> you know, early REM versus late REM. Right. Okay, we can talk. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's funny when people bring it up. Cause I, you know, I, I, I like talking about music wherever I go. You know, I'll talk about music with whoever. Mm-hmm. But every time somebody says like the, the 80s music, it was like, you know, eh, whatever, you know, it sucks. And then I, I remind, I tell them, I go, I went to high school 80, 84 to 88, right? In LA. And again, I I don't I don't mean to keep dropping LA, but LA at that time was just insane. Cause like, uh, let me see. Uh, Def Leppard Hysteria came out when I was in high school. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls came out when I was in high school. Uh, Guns N' Roses. They came out with Appetite for Destruction. Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry came out mm-hmm. when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Aerosmith had, uh, came out Permanent Vacation. You know, Dude Looks Like a Lady. There's a couple of mm-hmm. really good songs in there. The Cult, Electric. That That's one of the greatest y- yes. of all time. That came out when I was in high school. Uh, Robert Palmer. Uh, okay. <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, and Jane's Addiction. Keep going. Yeah, Jane's Addiction was just starting to come out. And then bad Michael Jackson's bad, uh, the and then like and this is just like in this four year span, this, this these albums were coming out, and then you throw in a new edition came, you know, the original boy band came out. Yeah, time, that was know? good. Yes, you know, and that, that was totally different. And but you know, they they started the whole boy band thing, and uh, let me see what else. Rebel Yell. Mm-hmm. Billy Idol came out. Uh, Pixies, uh, I think it was Doolittle. Doolittle. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which I'm gonna call it. Um, is is uh, here comes your man is on that mm-hmm. album. I think yeah, awesome album. Mm-hmm. I think Debaser too. You yep. mentioned Debaser. Monkey Gone to awesome, Heaven. Yeah, awesome yep. songs. Yeah, but uh, and then when I was graduating, NWA came out with Straight Outta Compton, and that right there like I blew it up. Yeah, exactly. And this was all in L.A. <clears throat> And um, the cool thing about it is like living there, it's, I remember like after high school, we would, we went to all these venues, you know, we went to like uh, Roxy, you know, Troubadour, mm-hmm. all these places. I got to go to all these ba- places and see all these like, you know, bands. I saw like Alice in Chains, you know, they would come down from Seattle and do these shows. But then uh, I remember, uh, so in high school, my, my my brain you're gonna have to forgive me Derek my brain just like likes to jump around so 
and that's how I am, and so that's what you're gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember uh, my thing was my junior year in high school. The high school I went to was uh, predominantly uh, Hispanic. You know, there was uh, probably like you know forty percent white, mm-hmm. and like the sixty percent is like Hispanics. You know, and then there's a few Asians, and I think there was probably like four black kids in school. Mm-hmm. But there, no, maybe more than that. But I remember there was this one kid who transferred from. Uh, Texas. Okay. Awesome names. First name was Wolf. Awesome kid. Heck of an athlete, too. But anyway, so, you know, all my friends growing up have always been into, like, music. And, I, I, you know, you gravitate to what you have, you know, what you have in common. And I remember he was, I, you know, first time I met him, he was listen, he had his headphones on, and he was listening to some music. And I asked him, I go, hey, what are you listening to? And he goes, oh, it's these three guys from Brooklyn. This was in 85, 86. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And he goes, it's these uh, three guys from Brooklyn, and they rap. I go, oh, cool, you know, because like back then, you know, like uh, I was like into Dougie Fresh, also, or like you know, at West Coast rap. Yeah. So, anyways, and he goes, here, t- take a listen to it. And so this kid from Texas is who introduces me to Beastie Boys. Yeah. And uh, rhyming and stealing was the song, and that song is one song that matters to me because. Now Beastie Boys is like one of my top five favorite bands ever. And it, it was all because of that song. I remember exactly where we were sitting in high school. Mm-hmm. The scene, it was, uh, it was one of the patios. And this kid who I just met puts his headphones on me and he like plays Rhyming and Stealing by Beastie Boys. And I was hooked from that moment. And it was the first time I heard that kind, you know, well, there was nobody like Beastie Boys when they came out. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of sampling they did and just the way they rap was totally different. So, and all that in the middle of, you know, bringing it out in LA, mm-hmm. you know, so. So that was one of the songs, Rhyming and Stealing, you know, License to Ill, so. You, were you involved in the East what, East Coast, West Coast conflict at all? Uh, no. Did you stay clean in that? Yeah, I stayed clean. Okay, good. I was neutral. There was, there was too many good stuff. Like, oh, Donda, he likes the BC boys. Yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. No, the thing is, like, I I like music. I like music from everywhere. The only thing I never really got into was country. And, you know, that's, pro- that's probably mostly out of my own ignorance, you know. I like con- I like old country, like, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Christopherson, <clears throat> Willie Nelson, and all that. Yeah, but the, all the new stuff I can't get into. But yeah, I mean, no, man, I, I, I'll, I'll listen to music from wherever, from whoever. Not like you always judging me on Sublime. And, <laughs> 311. <laughs> 311. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep going. All right, yeah. Do you, do you have any songs that, you know... <laughs> No, I love, although at some point we should have a podcast about country music because I love it when people say, oh, I love all music except country. Right, yeah. Like, what, what? There's got to be someone that comes in here and says, I love, I love country music except, you know, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to get, if you want to get technical about it. Right, yeah. Like. Those old murder ballads of Appalachia yes, yes, I have know. a lot to do with rap music right. today. Like there is a thread of common, and that's what's crazy to me is there's rap and country have a lot in common. Right. No, they do. Yeah. And that, again, that's thematically, why I, there's a lot of commonalities yes. between the, and they both, so, and what, so they don't allow, to some degree, okay, and we don't want to get into the depthness of this right. argument, but 
both of those genres don't really require a lot of deconstruction. No, they, they yeah, they whatever they're telling you, like Toby Keith says, I should have been a cowboy. That's not a metaphor. Right. Like he actually thinks I should have been a cowboy. And like rap music doesn't hide behind metaphors a lot. Like it, you know, to some degree there's more, it, as it's continued to become so popular and grown and obviously m so many people are involved in whatever you want to call rap today. Right, right. I mean, a lot of it has changed, but I mean, there was, the messages were pretty clear. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. like you listen to NWA, and it's explicitly clear what they're trying to tell you right. in an artful way, you no, know. Totally, yeah. I but totally you know, agree with you, yeah. But, you know, and they use some tricks of the trade and, you know, like Army with Harmony. Like, you know, you have all these parts that are music, like like Sha La La's and all those things that, that like, you know, that rock music or pop music is always used. Like rap music has the same rhyming sequences and yes. things. But the metaphorical difference between country and rap isn't really right. that, no, that I, distant. And, you I know, and totally agree. So yeah. I love it when people say, oh, man, I love, oh, but I not country. I, like, that, and that's why I opened up with, you know, <laughs> out of my own ignorance, you know, because I, I can't explain it to you. Because, you know, if you think about it, you know, there's good country music out there. I just. And partly yeah. it's, and this is what I always tell everyone, too. Like for me, so it is, there's two things that everyone must know about me. Right. You know, I was born in Oklahoma and I love that fact. Right. And that yeah, explains yeah. a lot of different I things. Know. So for me, country music is right. deeply embedded in the plight of every Oki, every boomer sooner that is striving to find their way in this world. Like it's part of our DNA. Right. No matter how much you want to distance yourself from it. And so, it, and then it finds its way into like your, as you grow up, your music selection. Mine oftentimes is a little bojangly and a lot of right, roots right. rocky and very Midwestern and bands like Sunvolt and Wilco and right. like Titanic Love Affair, like Ear Daddies. It doesn't matter where there's a Midwestern influence that you don't have right. that exactly. I do exactly. that I'll tie back to country music, even though I don't listen, I listen to country music some, but I'm not. I, I don't listen to a lot of popular country music today. Right. So that, I think that's what I meant. Yeah. You know, like, cause when you were reading mm -hmm. off your list, there was a couple in there. there are a couple. Yeah. That I, the funny thing is when you mentioned it, I know exactly which song. So I must have listened to country at one point. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you had to have heard it. Yeah. But I'm um, coming from Oklahoma. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that Hanson's and, you know, did well, you say flaming lips on your list? I did. You did. Fight oh. test. Oh yes. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, Wayne and his boys. There's a there's a legacy of awesomeness that they've left down the streets of Oklahoma City. Sometime you should read the book Boomtown. Right. The guy writes the guy that wrote the book spent some time with Wayne and his and his party mates around downtown because Wayne still lives like in downtown oh, really? Tulsa. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean Oklahoma City near downtown Oklahoma City. And one night he and his buddies got a bunch of paint and went and painted the street a rainbow. And this this guy writing this book about boom about Oklahoma City got to hang out with them and and do that experience. Oh, nice. It would have been perfect for you. So destroying public property, <laughs> having the police chase you down, like it checks it checks off a couple of your very important boxes there. Oh man, <laughs> uh, that is too funny. Oh god, yeah. Uh, and again, that's I said like you know, it's mostly out of my own ignorance, and I. I admit, coming out of LA, I'm biased to 
a lot of music coming out of California and to a fault, you know, like sometimes I'll get like, you know, I'll get in arguments about music, especially, you know, especially when it comes to like hair bands, you know, you know, I mean, people, you know, will always joke around about hair bands, but there was a lot of good songs that came out, you know, Poison. You mentioned Poison, you know. Oh, yeah. We talked about Cry Tough, how, you know, Poison. So I think historically, like there's some things about the hair metal scene that we'll, we can end up talking about. They're the obvious things forever. That's, right can be misogynistic and it's very flamboyant yes, and, and explosive yeah. and like, you know, the quality of the music. I don't want to get into what's a good song, what's, what's, right. what, it doesn't matter. So, but Poison's Cry Tough, I, that song, it's like an anti hairband anthem in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's sincere and it, it's like a country song where it doesn't cut through metaphor. It's in this, these were guys, you know, think of it, these were people who moved there and starve themselves trying to become popular. And they just wrote a song about it. So in spite of your mama don't dance and you know, or like, yeah, yeah. Unskinny bop or talk dirty to me. You know, there's the hits fallen angel, you know, which is always kind of an odd song, but it has such a great chord sequence. It's always puts me in a good mood, but cry tough is this weird, honest anthem. And it's the first song that's on look what the cat dragged in, which was their first album. And it was completely overlooked because of everything else that they become. And, right. and Brett Michaels, it, it's, he'll carry a lot of things to his grave with him. But that song, interestingly, I've used it as a, as a meditative practice with my, like my high school boys soccer. I had them, before a game, I was like, I wanna do something that really like, con- it's both confusing and awesome at the same time. <laughs> And, but it allows like a chance. So that then sometimes when you do that with high school players, like then you channel into the, the part that you're trying to get to confuse them and then blow their minds with something. And then in between there, you can make them make a change. (laughs) So I tried to, I I was kept thinking, I kept hearing this song and thinking about it. Like, could I have them meditate to this song? And so I had them come into this little area where the music would be very loud close the door, had them put their heads down and just start breathing, going through a breathing sequence, typical meditative, like yoga type breathing. I had them relax, put their hands on their legs and just get into, get into a breathing zone. And then I started playing the song and I started the volume really low. And then I like it. It was like, and it's like a heartbeat. Yep. And then I could see, so I'm like early on, I, like I had to cue in like, is this going to work or not? <laughs> Cause then I got to change the way I'm using it if right. not, but I started seeing like a couple foot start tapping, a couple heads nodding. And so then I started, then the words of the song come on. They're talking about like, you know, you got to cry tough out on the street to make your dreams happen. And so if they're paying attention, you know, these are the sport metaphor things that you go through to get teams motivated. Right. So, and then I, I had them, you know, think about like their parents and fans watching and the grass underneath their cleats and all this stuff. And then at the end of the song, just cut it off. And then I just said, let's go play. Just like, I'm not going to talk about it. Just go. We went out and scored like three goals in the first five minutes. The kids were jacked. That is awesome. Completely jacked. 
I'm like, it's 2017, 2018, and these kids are getting jacked off of poison throwback from like 1985. I love it. How many times have you done that since? Just a couple. I can't, you have to. You you can't, yeah. Yeah, like I have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to wait a while before I whip that out again, because then I gotta get some new guys that don't know it's coming. Right, right. If they know it's coming, then it ruins the impact. Or you can just, you know, uh, code it a different way and come Mm -hmm. up with a different song. Yeah. 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 That's awesome though. Three goals and <laughs> it was it was insane. And then they asked then then they were like, Hey coach, can we do that again? It's oh, like that's no, nice. we're gonna bottle this up and save this. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love poison. Yeah. yeah. I think uh wasn't their first album where they were all just made up uh-huh. the cover? Uh-huh. Look what the cat dragged in. Yes. Yeah. It's like kiss without the scary parts exactly well, they were they were pretty you know yeah I, i'll be honest with you when i first saw the album i was like you know Whoa. yeah what so did my parents are like what yeah what do yeah. you what is this it's not your it's yeah. not your willie nelson i can no, tell you not. that yeah like push a, play exactly yeah <clears throat> the cool thing about the 80s too is like uh it like transitioned to uh you know you got your uh like you said, Whitney Houston, it was all totally different, you know, and then, uh, but it was the start of grunge, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's gonna, it's gonna lead me to my next song that mattered. Uh, you remember a band called uh, Temple of the Dog? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like a mix of uh, guys from three different bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Chris Cornell started it. And uh, they had a song called Hunger Strike. That's the song. Yeah. Uh, it was Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder on vocals. Trading. Huh? They were just trading vocals. Yeah, yeah. It was, And here's something really cool about this song. They actually recorded it before Pearl Jam formed. They recorded the year before. Uh, when uh, when Ed, Before Eddie Vedder joined Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder was in San Diego working as a gas station attendant. And the guys that end up forming Stone Gossard sent out this cassette tape of like instrumental songs and sent it, you know, one of them ended up in uh, Eddie Vedder's hand down in San Diego and he recorded a couple of audio uh, vocal tracks on top of it and sent it back and they really liked it so they invited him up to audition for, you know, I, I think they were originally called Mookie Blaylock. That was the name of Pearl Jam before they changed it to Pearl Jam. Which is one of my favorite things about them. Oh, really? Since Mookie was a Sooner, right, right. Oklahoma yeah, Sooner right. basketball oh, player. Oh, my God, that's right. Number what 10. A trip. Wow, a complete circle right exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Life's a circle. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, before they even, before he even, <clears throat> you know, so he flew up from San Diego to audition live. But on his way there, he stopped, uh, Andrew Wood just passed away. He was the singer from Mother Love Bone, which who was mm-hmm. really good friends with Chris, uh, Chris Cornell, lead singer of Soundgarden. They were like best friends, so they wanted to like make a tribute album. So they got all these guys together, and Eddie Vedder was just there to audition for Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. But since you know Stone Gossard and uh, McCready, who was the drummer, uh, was there recording with Chris Cornell, so he sat in and just to listen. But then. Uh, so they were going to start recording uh, Hunger Strike and doing some research on it. I find out that that was an impromptu uh, Eddie Vedder just jumping in because, you know, and Chris Cornell even said, yeah, he just, you know, 
he just I kind of asked him to like help me out and he jumped in and he did his part without even rehearsing it they recorded it and they knocked it out of the park and this was before he he officially joined Pearl Jam mm-hmm. so and then they released the album and it didn't do so well right so whatever and then you know and then next thing you know Eddie Vedder joined Pearl Jam and then they you know they release uh, I think 10 and it it's a hit Pearl Jam's an automatic freaking, you know, you know, bona fide rock grunge group out of C- Seattle, and Soundgarden was already kind of popular, and then so they re-released uh, Temple of the Dog the year after again because you know, wait a minute, we we have like a collaboration of these two power bands, grunge bands out of Seattle, and we have an album of them collaborating they recorded the year before, so they re-released it so. Yeah, well, so to me, that song matters, Hunger Strike. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. Uh, to me, that matters to me because that's what got me into grunge. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that what led to Black, you know, Jeremy, mm-hmm. even Flo. So that that song I'll, you know, it'll, will always be a special song to me. And that's that's a song that made me want to be a rock star. I, I, um, I've been in like four bands my whole life, you know. And um, four rock bands, and we, we were just cover cover bands. We would all do all these grunge songs, and you know, we throw in a little Chili Peppers there. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I never got into it thinking we were gonna be like famous. You know? <laughs> yeah, because like in LA, I think in LA, if you live in LA, at any given time, there's like maybe like thirty thousand bands trying to make it at any given time. Yeah, so and uh, and I'm proud to say that in every band I've ever been involved in. I was always the least talented of the group. <laughs> like I was, so I, you know, I'm proud to say that because I was always around really good musicians. I was lucky enough, yeah. But a lot of that, you know, <clears throat> was based off like our our love for grunge music when it was making it big that time. Mm-hmm. You know, so Hunger Strike, Temple. Of the, I actually once we moved here from L.A. Temple of the Dog got back together to do a tour. Yeah. And one of their stops was LA. Mm. But I already moved here. I was so sad and bummed. But I I know some people in the music industry. So I actually I sent out this email to a few friends that I know that are in the music industry in LA. I go, hey guys, uh Can you, know, you get me in? Yeah, Temple of the Dog is playing uh at the Forum, which is an awesome venue. I saw Cure there in the 80s and awesome venue. But um, I sent out his email, you know, and like, I didn't think I was gonna get a response. I just sent it out to these people I know that are like, you know, in the audio tech, you know, industry in the field. And I, I know a couple of them worked at the forum before, so I just sent it out. And I go, hey, any chance you guys can get a ticket, you know? I know, cause I was, I didn't want to buy a ticket and then buy an airfare to fly home, yeah, <laughs> to fly back to LA. <clears throat> but then like two days later, I get this email from one of my good friends and he goes, hey, if you don't mind sitting, by the audio tape, audio, you know, audio deck. And like, if you think about it, the audio deck is the best place to sit. Yeah. Because the audio engineer sits there and he like balances the whole stadium. Or and they're usually or on a little bit of a platform. Exactly, so yeah, right to exactly. The so he goes, if you don't mind sitting there, I can, you know, I can get you two seats. And like, yes, please, you know, just tell me how much and you know, I'll forward you to cash. And then, uh. He emails me right back. He goes, "No, don't sweat it. I know the audio audio engineer. I'll 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 reach out to him, and get you two tickets." And sure enough, I got you know. And then I got online real quick, airfare, found an airfare. So 
So I flew to L.A., watched Temple of the Dogs, and then caught a red eye back home. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, awesome. Yeah, so I got to hear Chris Cornell, you know, sing one more time. Yeah. You know, live. <clears throat> you know, and then I got to hear them sing Hunger Strike, you know, uh, sans uh, Eddie Vedder, because mm-hmm. he was on another tour. Yeah. yeah. But the cool thing is, during that song, the crowd sang Eddie Vedder's part, and it was it was really it was really nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. That that's it's those experiences that you're gonna remember the most. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. And the cool thing was, I got two tickets, and I reached out to my best friend, one of my best friends that lived in LA, and he was available that night, so we went to go. You know, and the cool thing was, when we were there, I was getting texts from other good friends telling me, "Hey, man." I'm at the forum watching Tom Bully the Dog. And I would like text back, yeah, I'm right here too. And like, you know, turned out all all these friends I know growing up were there at the same show. Yeah. So it was really sweet. Yeah. That's one of those songs too. Every time I hear it, I'm reminded, I forget how great it is until I hear it again. Right. And, and it just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's the such vo- a the good song. The vocals is insane. Yeah, the <clears throat> vocals in it is insane. So. Right, and then, uh, and then yeah, so grunge was like really big with me back then, uh-huh. you know. So, and oh my gosh, I can't believe I still like grunge because we covered it so much growing up. I think, <laughs> I think we've covered every top grunge song ever in all the bands I've been involved in. Yeah. So it's kind it, of funny. It's one of those genres that can be misaligned, like get misappropriated at times or like underestimated or you kind of, people got tired of it and there's some things that are just indicative of it like flannels and right yeah. and it's like that's that's i mean but you know looking back now i feel you know like hair metal right i love more today than i did when it was actually happening right right yeah yeah and no totally yeah you know so grunge i've kind of come in and out but hunger strike is like one of those songs that just it, I think it's because the chord structure of it is right. not like any other grunge song. Right, right. It's actually like happy chords. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a progressive scale yeah, yeah. that it's beautiful. Right. It's a exactly. beautiful song. It's, it is, doesn't yeah. matter who would sing it. It would be a beautiful song right, where yeah. you can't say that about anything by Nirvana. Right. <laughs> I love Nirvana. <laughs> I know, I but they're dark. Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. Nirvana. But uh, whatchamacallit, that's funny you say flannel. I actually have a photo from one of the, our gigs growing up at some college frat party. And I, I hate to say, it, admit it, but it was it was a picture of me by the microphone singing with my long hair and no shirt, but I had a flannel wrapped around my waist. Well, yeah, that yeah. was the uniform. Yeah, with my Doc Martens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you had the Seattle uniform. Exactly. Yeah, it was like it was straight out of a <clears throat> grunge catalog. Yeah, yeah. So you are meant for catalogs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know what? Too uh, without grunge, we wouldn't have. One of my favorite movies and favorite soundtracks, uh, Singles. Have you seen Singles? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. This is a common, and even even among um, all my music snot friends, music snob friends, right. and, and then other people just love music. Singles is like this common denominator of awesomeness that all of us can agree was like the finest soundtrack oh, yeah. probably ever. Yeah. And then, and then throwing Matt Dillon in there. Yeah. You know, that was, it was, uh, I think there was a time in my life when it finally came out on DVD. We had that playing, mm-hmm. that and uh, 
True Romance was playing in our apartment mm-hmm. 24-7. <laughs> Either singles or True Romance was just playing. You'd walk into our apartment and the TV was on. Nobody's home. You'd be the first one home <clears> and it's playing yeah. True Romance or singles. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that, and it's what I love. So singles, not to get too academic or <laughs> spiritual about it, but, right um, but that tied in. So I was a huge replacements fan, right. Paul Westerberg. Mm-hmm. I was also a Smashing Pumpkin fans and I went to college in Illinois. So there were a lot of Chicago area people that brought Smashing Pumpkins before Smashing Pumpkins. Right. So I was, I was on top of them. And then you had like the Mother Love Bone, yep. you know, and you had some, you had State of Love and Trust. You had the best song from Alice in Chains, which is the only song I honestly really love from Alice in Chains. But they all, there was a, a soundtrack that need, <laughs> that, that hurt. <laughs> I know. Because I, I love a lot of Alice I know. I, that's, there's a list of bands that I, I'll poke and prod <laughs> right. accidentally or yeah. intentionally. You do it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, poke and prod. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Because I don't mind, I don't mind having these debates. I know, right I know half the stuff I listen to is trash. Like I know there's not too many teenage fan club fans out there, so right. I'll take it. That's right. my cross All to bear. Right. Good, good. But yeah, that single soundtrack plus the, and then, you know, to go back, like you know, Paul Westerberg and the whole Minneapolis music scene was very important, probably as a Midwestern town. Right. Like unintentionally, it became a very important place for music that I love, like Husker Du, Bob Mould, Paul Paul Westerberg, The Replacements, but but the man, the myth, the legend, the best song ever written also came out of Minneapolis. And it was also part of the best sound, the only soundtrack that I think beats singles in the ranking of soundtracks, our good man Prince in yeah. Purple Rain. Of course. Yeah. And and what's fun about Purple Rain because I know you love this song too. I love, I love it. It's it also was supposed to be. This is how this is where life becomes a circle. It was supposed to be a country song, right? And a duet with Stevie Nicks. Right. How can that? Yeah. Right there, like that's the hook for it's, you and country music. Is Prince wrote a country song. It's insane. And he wanted Stevie Nicks, my first crush, to sing to, on to it. Write, to write it. To yeah. write the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. It was all supposed to be something that she was involved with. Yes. And, and he also sent the song to Neil Scone of Journey right. to have him listen to it because he was a little concerned that it was going to sound too much like Journey. Right. Yes. And they said, no, man. This is better than anything we've ever done before. This is brilliant. You're right. fine, Prince. Right. Like think about a world where Prince is overly concerned about his best song and he's sending it to Journey right. for them to give him the okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what it, what it, world did we live in then? Yeah, and it it took Stevie Nicks reject not not, not rejecting but saying, you know, feeling kind of overwhelmed because oh, yeah. this is intimidating and then kicking it back to Prince to write the lyrics. Yeah. That is uh that is yeah, top top ten for sure. That is the no, that is the best song, best song <laughs> ever yeah. written by human hands. Right. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Prince, Purple Rain. Mid. Yeah. I think it came out eighty four. Yeah. Eighty four. Yeah. And yeah. then, and so when I started the blog, Highway to Well. So the the first piece I wrote for it was about Purple Rain. Nice. You know because. At this, when I started the blog, this was during the um, oh, the election between the Obama election. So 
there was a lot of discussion about our first black, black president and race was detailed in every, you know, whether or not it was explicitly brought out in the arguments over where our country was headed, it was absolutely there. And then and I kept I kept thinking about like Prince Prince rose above. Like no matter what you to get away from just thinking about him as a song as a songwriter, a performer, he always rose above and created a different world where everything was okay. In in his music in Purple Rain, if you watch in the movie when he plays it, and so he gets to you get to a point where you know, and there's a lot of animosity and there's all these conflicts yeah. going on in the film. Yeah. Purple Rain is like the antidote to all of that. It right. saves everyone. But then then when he, they pan to the crowd, so this is the 80s Minneapolis scene and you see every nationality, right. white people, black people, Asian, Hispanic, all together. You see people dressed differently. You're not sure if some of them are males yep. or females. Yep. So there's that, there's that, um, sexual and the gender ambiguity yeah. of of let, people just are people let them be people and if we all work together right. as in, in the in the story of the song in the movie is about working together to yep. create the most beautiful thing possible here we are like if we just if everyone just watched purple rain yes <laughs> we might get along better yeah purple <clears throat> rain will gives us that chance there, it does there, there is a possibility yeah that's that's one of the most beautiful songs. But then again, Prince wrote a lot of beautiful songs. You know, I mean, the beautiful, the beautiful ones alone is one of my top five favorite songs. That's a beautiful song too. You know, yeah. And yeah, he was a genius, man. And it's like, you know, he left way too early. You know, and uh, that's one of my biggest regrets. I never got to see him live. Yeah, yeah. I got <clears throat> to see a lot of different bands live, but Prince was the one that hurt. Yeah, yeah, I keep thinking I went to First Ave probably two or three times. Right. You know where Purple Rain was filmed. Yep. That was the key the key arena or key place he played. Right. And I've been in there to watch two or three different bands throughout the years and you know, and then Prince was gone. I yeah. never got to see Prince at First Ave. Yeah. Oh, so <clears throat> music matters. Yeah, it does. It matters. It matters more than you really, you know people give it credit for. well that's i think that's where that's what we started with with this conversation was hey let's do a top 20 right it's like after that we're like but wait they, yeah. they don't care they don't care what the top 20 is it's the stories behind the songs that matter right. yes exactly yeah and the <coughs> the cool thing is like you know you can take this and go down so many different avenues just all around you know all around the city of music you know you just keep taking different streets and there's always something else to talk about music wise yeah you know and I'll I'll close up here with a quote <coughs> from Chuck Klosterman, one of my favorite writers. He said, My feelings about politics and literature and mathematics and the rest of life's minutiae can only be described through a labyrinth of six-sided questions. But everything that actually matters can be explained by Lindsay fucking Buckingham and Stevie fucking Nicks in four fucking minutes. I love it. Don, thank you for coming, Dondi. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. Again, I, I love what you're doing here. You know, 
And especially because, you know, in the grand master scheme of it all, I'm, I'm just some dude that likes music. So no. thank, you, thank you for having me. This is fun. Take a path, take a little side path to our highway to well here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.